Thank you for listening to the 180 Podcast. We hope today's message inspires and encourages you to be all God has created you to be. And now, here's this week's message. Anybody here want to see revival in 180? Is that why we're here? Come on. All right. How many of you are like readers? Like you like reading books? How many of you are like, I don't like reading books? I go to school to read books. All right. How many of you are like a back of the book reader? Like you start in the back and then you read the rest of it. Any back of the book readers? Hashtag spoiler alert. Okay, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert real fast. I'm going to read the back of the story and then we're going to go through the story. All right, so here's the back of the story that we're going to talk about tonight. 1 Samuel 14, verse 13, it says, So they climbed up using both their hands. That's Jonathan. He is the prince of Israel and his armor bearer. An armor bearer is someone who's assigned to make sure that the person they're guarding doesn't die. Hashtag secret service, right? So we have Jonathan the prince and the armor bearer, and they go up this cliff using their hands and the feet. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over half an acre. How many think that sounds pretty cool? How many guys in the room are like, I want to go to battle? That'd be pretty sweet. How many ladies in the room are like, I'll go to battle? That sounds pretty cool too. Okay, so that's pretty cool, but we're not done. Suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army both in the camp and in the field, and including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified. Then Saul and all his men, Saul is the king of Israel, and his army rushed out to battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army, like they were traitors to their country, revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase, and they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth-Avon. Pretty powerful, right? Earthquakes, God's moving, God causes confusion among the enemy, the enemies killing each other. They have tremendous victory. We like hearing the end of the story. And I think sometimes the way that we relate to God is we're like, God, could you tell me the end of the story? And then I'll do the first steps of the beginning of the story. And I want to talk about the recipe for revival. I want to talk about how do we position ourselves to experience victory Different than the way that oftentimes is normal. So before the story of David and Goliath, how many of you have heard David and Goliath? I, every time I preach the story of David and Goliath, I have a teenager that comes up to me afterwards. I didn't know that was a Bible story. It's in the Bible. David, a teenager, probably middle school age. Again, how many middle schoolers in the house? David was probably a middle school age young man. Fighting a champion of war, he kills this champion of war that's like 10 foot tall, like ginormous. He kills him with a sling and a stone, and he goes over, and here's my favorite part of the story of David and Goliath. It has nothing to do with the message, it's just my favorite part. He goes over and he takes Goliath's sword, and he cuts off Goliath's head. But, but here's, here's the thing. We see way too many movies where people get their heads cut off with a sword. Like, we think, like, one swoop through their head, 
This is a young man who's never touched a sword in his life. This is a young man that had no idea what he was doing. He had to take his time, and it was a bloody mess. Some of you are like, I ate before I came here. What are you doing? It's a blood. David is covered in blood. A middle school boy covered in a giant's blood. And this is, this is where it gets crazy. He takes Goliath's head. He holds it up, looking at the Philistines, and he shouts, holding Goliath's sword and Goliath's head. Yes. And then, and this is where it gets gross, okay? This is in the Bible. Some of you thought the Bible was boring. Um, it's not. It says later he takes the head to Jerusalem. But when, when you read the story and the timeline, he didn't go to Jerusalem for a year. So now, now, how many middle schoolers in the room, like if you killed a giant and cut off his head, how many of you would keep the head? Right? Right? You're like, talk about my mom. What did you say to me again? Like no one messes with the kid that has Goliath's head and sword. Okay? So it has nothing to do with tonight. Before David kills Goliath, Israel is at war with Philistia. 1 Samuel 13. The Philistines mustered an army of 3,000 chariots. Israel has none. 6,000 charioteers. They don't have any. And as many warriors as grains of sand that cover the seashore. You're in trouble. The camp of Michmash, east of Bethaven, the men of Israel saw... Uh, what a tight spot that they were in. And because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. So on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword, spear, or spear, except for Saul and Jonathan. So Israel's not allowed to have blacksmiths. Blacksmiths make swords and spears. There's two. Israel has two swords. They belong to the king and his son. They're outnumbered. They're outgunned. They're outmanned. It's a recipe for a disaster. It's a recipe for like an onslaught. And, and here's how I think this relates. I think for you, it would be easy to believe when, when Pastor Cody and the leaders here are talking about revival, you're like, but Cody, come on. I go to school, and if you heard the things that I heard, and you saw the things that I saw, it wouldn't matter what I did, how much faith I had, it just wouldn't matter. I know that God did things before, but is he going to do things now? How many, how many of you love underdog stories? How many of you like underdog stories? How many of you like being the underdog? Right? We love to watch the story, but we never want to be in the position. How many of you getting ready to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? Anyone cheering for the underdog? Notice I didn't have to tell you who the underdog was. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? Anyone cheering for the underdog? All right, so like, how many of you ever heard the phrase, don't bring a knife to a gunfight? Right? In this day and age was don't bring a pitchfork to a sword fight. Right? They're, they're in a mess. They're, they're in trouble. And Jonathan has heard stories. He heard the stories about Joshua who invaded Israel and took it to begin with. 
There's a reputation of God bringing the Egyptians to their knees. The power of God on display. And now his men were hiding in holes. Same God, same nation, different generation. Is God still going to move? And here's why I bring this up. 180 has a reputation. Since I moved to Kansas City, I've, in fact, before I moved to Kansas City, I heard about what God did in 180 in years ago. God moved. New generation. It's a new day. What are you going to do? Revival will not come when the leaders and students celebrate the past more than the future. Revival doesn't come to this place when the excitement level of what happened back then is greater than the excitement level about what God is doing now. Because this is your time. This is your 180. And the same God that moved back then is the same God that wants to move today. And it's the same God that used messed up students back then. It's the same God that wants to use messed up students today. And he's going to clean them up and shape them up and show his power in them and make some changes take place inside the schools of our city. But we've got to be focused on what, God's, what God has coming. Chapter 14, verse 1. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to the Philistines, have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Notice it doesn't ever tell us the armor bearer's name. He's a key part of the story. He makes scripture, but we don't know his name. Was he valuable? Was he? Was he important? Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think that Jonathan went and asked him to come with him? How many of you like doing things alone? Not, not many of us. You see, see, Jonathan's just a normal guy. He's just like us. And, and he wants to inspire his men to believe that God wants to do something great right now, but he doesn't want to do it alone. So he looks at his armor bearer, the one guy that's actually paid to like keep him alive, and he says, let's go attack them by ourselves. <laughs> Revival begins when it's not about me. We live in a culture that's all about being famous taking one of these and taking one of these, right? Take your selfie. Did you know that when you hold your phone up, it stretches out your chin to make you look thinner than you really are? That's why everyone does it like up here. Just so you know, it's just a little tip for the next time you take a selfie. We live in a culture that, that tries to say, notice me, notice me, notice me. Do you know my name? How many followers do I have? What's my streak? Revival begins when it's not about me. You see, we won't all want to be Jonathan in this story, but God, what if God wants you to be the armor bearer? 
What if he doesn't want to give you any of the credit because he wants all the credit for himself? Would you still sign up? Would you still sign up if you knew that you wouldn't get any credit? You would see God move mightily, but no one would remember your name. Because it's not about you. How many of you watched the national championship this last year? The NCAA college football national championship. Anybody like Roll Tide? Any Bulldog fans in the house? Okay, we got a Bulldog fan. Come on. They had a great first half, man. They had a great first half. At halftime, something unprecedented happened. The greatest coach that college football has ever seen benched his quarterback that was 26 and 2. 26 and 2. And he put in a freshman that had never started a game in the national championship. Crazy. And in the end, this freshman quarterback that's never started a game led Alabama to a victory to win the national championship. And I'm sorry about your Bulldogs. I was cheering for him. But here's why I bring this up. You want to impress me? At the end of the game, after they interviewed the freshman quarterback, they interviewed the starting quarterback of Alabama. In fact, here's his testimony. Here's his story. Here with Jalen Hurts. Jalen, you've just been shaking your head. You've had that smile on your face. Your, your reaction when you found out Tua was going to start the second half, honestly. He, he was going to step in and do his thing. You know, we, we have a lot of guys in the QB room that, that play really well. And he, he stepped in and did his thing. Did, did his thing for the team. In every offensive huddle, you were right there next to him throughout the second half and overtime. What was your message to him? Ball. Play your game. Ball. You know, he's destined for stuff like this. He's built for stuff like this. He, you know, he has that impact, and I'm so happy for him, happy for this team. What does it mean to you to be a national champion? It's unbelievable. I, I, I dreamed about this. Congratulations, Jalen. Thank you. Wasn't about him. 26 and 2. In every huddle, he's right there in the middle. Every timeout, he's looking at that new quarterback, that rookie. And he's not saying, man, I should be the one out there. I am, um, this is my time. This is my last chance in the national championship. It wasn't about him. And today, you know what? He wears a ring for a national championship. It wasn't about him. On the back of your walls back here, it says, make Jesus famous. Our revival begins there, friends. Let's keep going. Verse 6, let's go on across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. <laughs> this is the craziest word. Like, there's some words in Scripture that just mess me up. This is one. Perhaps the Lord will help us. <laughs> Can you imagine being the armor bearer? You don't have a sword. You're going to take on an entire army, and the only guy with you, no, he has a sword, but you don't. And he looks at you and says, perhaps God will help us. What are you willing to do for perhaps? There's no guarantees. They could die. You know what? Well, what's worse than dying? 
Jonathan could be captured and held for ransom. And then Israel is going to have to pay the ransom, which is going to fund the war and guarantee their loss. Any chance that they had would be over in this moment. But the audacity, the courage, the faith of two men, perhaps. What would you do on perhaps? There is no God said go do this. God didn't tell Jonathan. There is no thus saith the Lord. Jonathan wants to inspire his men. Believing that God is faithful to his word. That he is the one that will bring victory. Perhaps. For nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win the battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Perhaps. I want to ask you tonight, what's your perhaps? What is that thing that God is wanting you to do? What is that thing that's in your heart that you know that should happen? A prayer meeting that starts at your school. You're like, I don't know how to start a prayer meeting. Ask your pastor. Ask one of these great leaders here. How do I start a prayer meeting in my school? I'm supposed to do it. What if nobody shows up? Well, perhaps somebody's going to come. Perhaps. Maybe you have a family member you need to go share Jesus with. Perhaps. Probably feels a lot like Jonathan, like the chances are not in our favor. But perhaps. Maybe you need to step up here at 180 and you need to become a student leader. But I'm not qualified. Man, God knows what I did. Man, God loves you. He's so for you. His love's so much bigger than your sin. His grace is so much stronger than anything you did on Friday. Perhaps. What are you willing to do on perhaps? Now, leaders in the room, don't just be thinking about the students here. What's your perhaps? High schoolers, what's yours? You know what some of these middle schoolers would give to have you show interest in their life? And just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to lead a small group of middle schoolers. I'm going to go play ball with them. Perhaps. Revival begins when you act on perhaps. So here's what the armor bearers reply. All he has is perhaps no weapons. No name, no credit. This is the phrase that I believe changed everything. This unnamed man says this thing. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you heart and soul. 2018 means I got your back. When I was in high school, um, how many of you, like, you got, a, you got a squad that you roll with? Like, you just kind of hang with them all the time. You walk the halls together, right? And they got your back, and you got their back. Until you see someone that's got a bigger squad than you, and then, and then, then it's the real test is on, right? So I had one of those moments. I was the quarterback of the football team, and uh, there was this just a punk group of kids that started starting something with us. And 
we were already outnumbered. It was like five on three. And they were picking a fight. This is before I loved Jesus. I was not following Jesus at all, not even a little bit. And I look at my friends, I'm like, you got my back? I'm not letting them punk me like this right now. You got my back? Like, oh, yeah, we got your back. So I go to pick a fight. I'm going to go start this thing. And I start this thing, and I start popping off in the mouth. And all of a sudden, I see all five of them swarming in. And all of a sudden, I look to my back just to make, just to make sure. How I many you know what I'm talking about right now? <laughs> How many of you know they weren't there anymore? <laughs> it's one on five. I got your back. What 180 needs is not a bunch of kids that say, yeah, I'm in, revival, 180, I'm in, I'm, I'm all, I got you, I got your back. And then when it gets hard, when the emotion fades, when next Monday takes place and you got to go to math class and take that test that you didn't study for, When your friends start hanging out and they do the thing that they always do that you know you shouldn't do. That's when it matters. Revival begins when I'm in alignment with authority. This isn't a popular phrase. I wrote this message, I'm like, man, could I just be like more funny? Like, <laughs> this is like heavy. I heard a pastor talk about how he had a job of, of hosting a guest speaker at his church. Um, the, the pastor that they were hosting pastors the largest church in the world in, in South Korea. Dr. Chow is his name. He's an incredible man of God. And uh, he was going to preach at two different places in the same day in the same city, but it was clear across the city. And the window was kind of tight. And he gets done preaching at the first place, and they're running behind and my friend, the pastor that was going to take him to the next place to preach, had this great big old truck, tons of power. The problem was his rush hour, rush hour in Houston. Like, there, there is no getting across the city in 30 minutes. The good thing was is they had a police escort. And the police officer turns on his lights and he looks at him and he says, follow me. You know how police officers do, the straight face, like no emotion whatsoever. He puts on the shades, gets behind his car, and with the lights on and speeding, the traffic parts like the Red Sea. And he is flying at like 90 miles an hour down the interstate. And here's what Dr. Chow says in the back. He says, he says, this truck had the power all along, but only was the power unleashed when it was in alignment with authority. And, and this pastor's like, the presence of the Lord showed up in my truck at 90 miles an hour. He only said like 10 words the entire time. You see, we like the end of the story where we see God move. We like walking in faith when it's sure in front of us that God's going to bring the victory. But Jonathan and the armor bearer don't know the end of the story. All they have is perhaps. But because the armor bearer got in alignment with authority and he said, I'm with you heart and soul, whatever end. If I die, fine. If we win and no one knows my name, fine. It's not about me anyways. What about you? 
Some of you think I'm just talking about like the adult leaders in the room or talking about like the student leaders that have positional authority and they get a microphone and they get to sing worship songs or they get to lead teams. I'm talking about every person in this room. Like it might be your first night tonight at 180 and you're like, I'm brand new. I didn't even know that 180 was the name. My friend just said, come, it's a party. Like what did I even sign up for? And I believe that God brought you here tonight to join something great, to see God move, perhaps. Now I'm going to read the end of the story a second time. So they climb up using both hands and feet. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all. And their bodies were scattered over half an acre. And suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, and both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck. God showed up. Perhaps it's not about me. Alignment with authority. And everyone, meaning the enemies of God, were terrified. Then Saul and all of his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. And there was a terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews had previously gone over to the Philistine army, revolted, and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. And likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase. And when they saw the the Philistines running away, so the Lord saved Israel that day. At the end of the day, the credit went to the Lord, the one who was worthy. And the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth-Avon. I think some of you tonight... If you were really honest, you are not at all like Jonathan. You don't really want to be the armor bearer. If you were really honest, the person in the story you probably identify with the most is the ones that revolted and joined the wrong side, the winning side, the popular side, the one that everyone else went with, the one that was popular on Instagram, the one that had the longest streets on Snapchat. The one that did the craziness because people would think it was cool and they'd fit in and they'd belong. In the midst of seeing God move, something shifted inside of their hearts and they recognized they were fighting on the wrong side. That though the side they were on appeared to be winning before was evident was not winning now. And here's what I want to tell you. If that's where you're at tonight, like you're far from God. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about like you, you're doing craziness. Like you might be, and I'm not talking to you. But some of you tonight, you know what? You play church. You show up on Wednesday nights. You show up to revival. You show up on Sundays, and you can put on the church face. You know the right words to say. You know how to act in worship. You know how to behave in prayer. But there's nothing alive inside of you. 
sin reigns. And I just want to tell you tonight that even though that's where you're at, though you're running from God, though you are choosing to do things that offend him, he loves you. He's not angry with you. When I was 17 years old, I gave my life to Jesus in an environment a little bit like this. And I wasn't heading towards Jesus. I went there for all the wrong reasons. But something happened that night that changed me. I experienced the power of God for myself. I experienced the presence of God for the first time. Not some story that someone else had, but like for me. And they showed a clip of the passion of the Christ with Jesus on the cross and I felt the weight of my sin. I knew I was far from him. And as I looked into the eyes of Jesus, I didn't see eyes of anger and disappointment and frustration. But I saw a man who loved me. That though he knew my story, he still loved me. He was still calling me. He was still for me and he wanted to save me. And friends, let me tell you, when it comes to popularity, when you're the quarterback of the championship football team and you're doing pretty good, you've got popularity. When your dad owns his own business, you've got money and money buys cars and money buys clothes and money buys friends. I had friends, I had clothes, I had money, I had the car, I had the reputation, I had the girls. And inside, having everything that everyone in my school wanted, I felt like I had nothing. And in the moment when I sacrificed everything, when I gave up the friends that I spent my high school years running with, when I spent my Friday nights instead of on a date with a girl on my face in my bedroom seeking the Lord, I lost all my friends, God asked me to give up all my money. He asked me to give up my dream and my scholarships. And in the midst of losing everything I thought was valuable, I had everything. I had purpose. I had love. I had an identity that wasn't found in a performance on a field. And I just want to tell you, if you don't have what I'm talking about right there, tonight's your night. Tonight's the night where you can just say, you know what, I'm tired of playing church games. I'm tired of pretending. I'm burnt out on religion. I just want the real thing. With heads bowed and eyes closed. you tonight and you know you're far from God and you don't want to be anymore Jesus gave his life to purchase your freedom and your forgiveness and if you would choose to follow him to do life his way he said that he would make you a new person that everything you used to be would die your sin would be completely forgiven you would be made new in him. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you tonight, and you need to take a first step,
and following Jesus. Right now, I just want you to raise up your hand. Just say, that's me. I wanna walk with Jesus. Some of you tonight, you know what? You know you should raise your hand right now, but you're still playing church games. You're concerned about what other people around you are gonna think if they knew that you raised your hand. You come here every single week and you were worshiping a moment ago, but the life of God is not in you. And right now, friend, I plead with you, stop pretending. Let Jesus change you. Let him set you free. Don't find yourself on the wrong side anymore. Put your hands up. If you raised your hand earlier, if you need to raise your hand, raise it high right now. Be proud. Be proud. Just say, Jesus, I want you. I just want to lead you, everyone in a prayer, everyone here in the room, if you're raising your hand, or maybe you should have, I want everyone in the room just to repeat this after me. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of your plan. And today, I want the real thing. I want to experience your love. I want to experience your presence. So forgive me. Make me new. Set me free. Today, I choose to follow you one step at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Hey, can we celebrate really quick? Those that raised their hand. And if you, and if you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, I, I want to hear me. Listen, listen in. Tune in real quick. You need to tell somebody, you need to tell one of the leaders here or Pastor Cody and just say, hey, tonight, man, I, I, I don't want to pretend anymore. I want to follow Jesus tonight. I received Jesus. And you just go tell them that. You don't have to have the right words. Just say, hey, I, I raised my hand. I prayed that prayer and I need some help. And they're going to help you take some next steps. Is that cool? Okay, now, now I want to talk to everyone else. What's your perhaps? What is the thing that God wants you to do right now? in your school, maybe it's in your home, maybe it's right here at 180. Some of you high schoolers, you need to step up and own these middle schoolers. Some of you leaders, you need to step up and take some real responsibility and not just show up and just play games. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to hold out your hands. Hold out, hold out your hands like I'm about to give you a present. I'm not giving you a present. God wants to speak to you. Father, right now, I pray that you would open up hearts to hear your voice. And Father, right now, I pray, I prophesy that deaf ears will hear tonight the thing that you're calling them to do. I pray right now, Jesus, for a vision of revival breaking out inside of their homes, of moms and dads who are far from you responding to your love. I pray, Jesus, right now, a prayer meeting starting in a school right now that's hurting so deeply. Who's that person right now? Father, right now, I pray that you would open up eyes to see a face, a face of someone who's hurting, who needs a friend, who needs to know your love. God's going to give you a face to see right now. Middle schoolers right now, just close your eyes for you. Just, just participate with this right now. I know this is stretching you, and if, if you're not comfortable with this, that's cool. Just, just be quiet. But right now, Jesus, I pray that you would put faces on hearts tonight. 
And Father, right now I pray for the courage to go and share about Jesus with them. Father, right now I pray for perhaps within this youth ministry, that revival is now, you are moving. And right now, if you believe the Lord has given you your perhaps, like there's something he's asking you to do, and you want to invite him to give you the courage to do that right now, I just want you real quietly to turn around and turn your chair into an altar. Just real, just turn around and just kneel in front of your chair right now. I know this is a little bit different. This might be a little bit uncomfortable. Don't do it because other people are doing it. If you don't have your perhaps yet, just keep waiting. Don't pretend. Just wait. God wants obedience. And for some of you tonight, God's not gonna give it to you right now. Some of you, are, you're gonna get it tonight in a dream. Some of you might have a leader that comes up to you and just said, man, God spoke some things to me. I wanna speak this over you. Father, right now, I pray for courage to obey you at perhaps, to be willing to not get any credit for it because it's all about making you famous. And Father, right now, I pray over the high schoolers of Shawnee Northwest. Father, right now, I pray a special grace over them that they would know that when they walk in that classroom, when they walk in that hallway, you walk with them. And that they can have the conversation with the hurting and you will give them the words to speak because your comforter, your Holy Spirit is with them. called you to be a youth pastor, a worship leader, something else. Father, right now, I pray that they would take next steps in your calling. They'd be faithful in this season, believing you for the next. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When everyone real quick, just real quietly, just take a seat back in your seat, just real quietly. I want to do something a little bit different. So worship team, I want, I want you real quick just to stop playing. We're going to go back into worship at the end just as planned. But real quick, if you guys could just stop. And real quick, I'm going to do something that's going to be awkward. Welcome, welcome to teenage life. You're used to it. I want, I want to turn on the house lights. Yep, there it is. Pastor Cody, I want, I want you to come up here with me right up to the front. Here's, here's why there's no worship and the house lights are on. Because I believe that for some of you tonight, this is a deciding moment. And I don't want it to be an emotional response because the band was playing and the lights were just right. I don't want it to be dark enough that no one will notice. The armor bearer looked at Jonathan 
And he says something powerful. He says, do whatever you think is best. So not Western American way. It's not, I'm going to make sure that you hear my opinion too. Now, Cody's got the humility that he wants to hear your opinions, but it's not about you. Do whatever you think is best. I'm with you heart and soul. It means I'm behind you. If you're going into battle, you're not going in alone. I'm with you. If you say 180's taking a turn, we're going to take the turn with you. We're behind you. I really do believe, not, not, not because the title for this next few days is revival. I believe that God really wants to break out in revival. Thank you for listening to the 180 Podcast. We hope today's message inspires and encourages you to be all God has created you to be.